Bible, please turn to Psalms 119. Psalms 119, and we're going to be covering verses 13, I'm sorry, 113 through 120 this evening. Psalms 119, verse 113 through 120. Psalms, this psalm is the longest psalm in the Bible, and the focus of this psalm is the Word of God. The Word of God is, is very important in the psalm, All, with the exception of two of the verses in this whole chapter here, because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Only two verses do not stress the very importance of the Word of God. So that is our focus tonight, and I entitled the message, God's Word, Our Hearts. God's Word, Our Hearts. And so let's read Psalms chapter 119, verse 113 through 120. The psalmist said, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your word that I may live. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Hold me up, and I shall be safe. And I shall observe your statutes continually. You reject those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you. And I am afraid of your judgments. Now, this psalm is, again, it's, it's focused on the Word of God. And in verse 13 here, it says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. For, for clarity, I want to read from the New Living Translation. And he says, I hate those with divided loyalties, but I love your instructions. He hates those with divided loyalties. And it, it's not just in the psalmist's day that it, this saying applies. That he, he doesn't, He's not saying that he hates the people... But he hates the attitude of a divided heart. The attitude of a divided heart. And really, um, the, the psalmist was having this problem. He noticed this problem in his day. But it isn't something that um, is foreign to us today. We really have to search our hearts when it comes to our faith. Do I have a divided heart? Because it's very well possible I could be like these here spoken in the text. Do I have a divided heart or am I all in when it comes to God? Am I sold out for the Lord? Or do I have a divided heart? You see, is my relationship based on what matters of convenience to me? Or am I committed to the Lord? Is my relationship with God a, a, a relationship of convenience? Or am I committed? You see, I can't, answer, I can't answer that question for you. But you can. Between you and God. Am I committed? Or is it a relationship of convenience? 
We see this didn't only happen in the psalmist era. We also see in the scriptures that Elijah the prophet also experienced the same kind of attitude in his day. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18 in verse 20 and 21. He said to the people of God, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. You see, we all see that there is a time or we see that in Scripture, being in the middle of the road and having a divided heart is not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be in the middle of the road and faltering between two opinions. And it happened in the psalmist's day and it happens today and it, and it happened in Elijah's day. And he said to God's people, how long will you falter between two opinions? Do not have a divided heart between the world and your God. You see, we only see two, three, two things in the middle of the road. Yellow streaks and roadkill. Yellow streaks and roadkill. But you see, James, the, God, the, the writer James, in James chapter 1 and verse 23, likens God's Word to a mirror. And it gives a reflection of who we are. If I am reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it has one theme. That man is a sinner and God is, and he needs a Savior. Man is a sinner and he needs a Savior. And we're looking at the mirror of God's Word here tonight. And I have a divided heart. Or am I fully committed? Am I in the middle of the road? Do I have a relationship with God that's at my convenience or am I committed? I got to ask myself again those questions. Do I have a, am I double minded? Am I double minded? Do I have divided loyalties? Where does God fall on the scale of my priorities? Where's God? Where's God on my scale of priorities? In the second part of the first verse here, the psalmist says, but I love your word. Do you love his word? Do you love his word? You see, Job had the right attitude in Job chapter 23, verse 12. Job says, I have not departed from your commandments of your lips. I have treasured your words more than my necessary food. And also Jesus mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you feeding on God's word? Is it like food to you? Christian, it should be. If you're not in the word of God in a daily basis, you're, you're, you're starving. You are not healthy according to the Scriptures, spiritually speaking. And it matters. Do I love God's Word? In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus speaking to His disciples, He says, 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, it's He who loves me. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love Him, and I will manifest myself to Him. Man, I love that. God will manifest Himself. He will reveal Himself through the Scriptures to me. Why? Because I love His Word. I keep His Word. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come into him and make our home in him and with him. So the man of God or the woman of God, we cannot be caught in the middle. We cannot be riding the fence in, in, in the in-between. In between following God and walking in darkness, there is no gray areas. There is no gray areas with God. Either I am in or I'm out. I'm in or out. And in verse 114, as we continue, it says, You are my hiding place, my shield. I hope in your word. Can we say that? Can we say that? You are my hiding place, my shield. I hope in your word. Do we have that kind of relationship with God? You see, the test is going through difficulties, going through the tough times. What do I cling to? Who do I go to first? Am I on the phone or am I on my knees? Do I go to God or do I go to my friends? You know, friends have their place, but really, God's the one who changes things. He's sovereign. He knows things that I don't know about. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent, meaning He's present everywhere at all times. He's not surprised, and I go to Him as a last resort. I need to go to Him first. He should be our hiding place, our shield, and we should hope in His Word. You know, think of, of, of um, when I think of, of this, you are my hiding place, my shield, I, I hope in your Word. You know, going through difficult times is really a time of testing. I think of, of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Joseph, you know, he, he honored God through tough times. You know, he was sold into slavery from his family. He was sold. And then he becomes a servant, a slave in a home. And, and then he, he rises up through the ranks because God is with him. And then he gets accused of rape and he's thrown into prison, falsely accused, thrown into prison. But the scripture says God was with him. God was with him. And then he's in prison for, for a long time. And then he... He honors God in his situation, whether it was very tough. He honored God in his situation. And then one of the guys comes in and, and, and God reveals something to him. He shares it to him. and He says, don't forget me. Get me out of this place. You know, you have, you have good rapport with the Pharaoh. Get me out of this place. And that guy forgets about him. But he still honors God. And God does a great work in his life. Because he trusted in him. He, his hope was in God. 
You see, the Christian will go through difficulties. But we have the scriptures that tells us that God is with us in our difficulties and we can hope and trust in him through the difficulties. And it's revealed that we are his people and he is our God. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 says, Church, for whatever things that are written before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might find hope. I could hope in God. I could trust in God. He never fails. And the psalmist said, you are my hiding place, my shield and my hope. I hope in your word. But in verse 15, 115, here the psalmist says, depart from me, depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. And church in Christian, in the Christian life, in the Christian life, there are times of separation where we have to separate from certain people. We don't like that. There is a time of separation. I really have to be praying who's in my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. There is a separation that needs to, be, to take place. It's not that we're, and and let me make this clear. The Christian is not better than the non-believer. He's just better off. He's a sinner saved by grace through faith. That not of himself, it's a gift of God. But there are some areas where we have to be careful of those relationships that will mislead us and to draw us into a deceptive something. Self-deception. We got to be careful. We cannot be deceived. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn from to the right or to the left. Remove your feet from evil. And I remember when... Um, you know, early earlier years, we were at uh, Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs, used to hang around with the guy, one of the guys, and and you know, we, we uh, after a while, we, we we bought we we bought Harley's. You know, there's a few of us at Harley's, and uh, one one of the guys wanted to go to the bars and and go witnessing, and he thought it was cool. Hey, man, we got these bikes. Let's go out there and let's, let's start witnessing to these guys. But you know what? I just got done reading Proverbs. And Proverbs says that we got to ponder the path of our feet. We we got to be careful where we go. Why? Because you're going to, you know, you're not as strong as you think. There are some places where I shouldn't go. But the proverb says, remove your feet from evil. First Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And in verse 116, the psalmist said, Uphold me according to your word that I may live and and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. You see, the believer is supported and sustained and steady by God's word. The believer is supported, sustained and steady by God's word. 
That's how important the Word of God is to a believer. It should be. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Now I'll turn there myself. Matthew chapter 7. Because the believer is supported, sustained, and steady by God's Word. But in Matthew chapter 7, and we'll pick up here in verse 21. And we're going to read through 27. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. For many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, Jesus speaking, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house on a rock. For the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house on a sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. You see, the believer is supported, sustained, and steady when he's in the Word. When he keeps the Word. When he does the Word. You know, may we live to glorify God. You know, a lot of times we have misconceptions of Christianity. I mentioned it last night at the ambassador's course. You know, we believe a lot of Christians in Christian circles believe that Christians don't have trials and you shouldn't have you should have your blessed life now and no difficulties and everything's roses and daffodils. It isn't like that. If we look back in Christian history, the first century Christians, most of them were martyred. They were killed for their faith. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You know, the 12 disciples, man, they, it, with, the exception, with the exception of John, they were martyred. Peter hung upside down. James killed by a sword and thrown off, you know, stoned and beaten. You know, a lot of times you'll, you'll hear that, you know, when you're going through difficulties, where's your God? Where's your God? You know, read Hebrews chapter 11. You know, it talks about the hall of it talks about what believers have gone through. Very difficult. But we got to understand this is not our home. This is not our home. But may we live to glorify God while we're here. May we not be ashamed of our hope. Because this is not our home. But in verse 117, the psalmist says, Hold me up and I shall be safe and I shall observe your statutes continually. So, 
in verse 117, uh, 117 from 116, we see that God will sustain a believer and hold him up and, and he's steady in him. God will sustain the believer, hold him up. But the psalmist says here is his own part. You see, God has his part, but we have our personal responsibility. God, God will do awesome work. But the Christian has his own personal responsibility. He has his responsibility. And the psalmist here is pointing to his part. His personal responsibility was to observe God's statutes continually. You see, this speaks of a daily process of being in the Scriptures. Am I in the Scriptures daily? As I mentioned before, of being spiritually starving because we're not in God's Word. I'm more susceptible to stumble and fall and and to be like that house blown to and fro if I'm not on the rock. If I'm not well spiritually fed. Can I say this of myself? I observe, Lord, I observe Your Word daily. I observe Your statutes continually. You see, I have to take a look. Am I in God's Word or do I neglect God's Word? Do I have that casual relationship with God? Ah, It's okay, it's over there. Or am I committed? Am I committed? Am I dependent upon it like like Job says, as my necessary food? But here the psalmist says his responsibility is observing God's statutes continually. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't started reading every day, I, I encourage you to start today. Start today, systematically. From Genesis to Revelations. Wherever you're at right now, just don't jump around. Be a well-fed Christian. A full counsel Christian from Genesis to Revelations. So we could honestly say, I observe your word daily. You see, it's, it's very important. It's very important, the word of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. You know, Joshua was, a, uh, was Moses' assistant and he, he knew he was inadequate. He knew Moses was a great leader. He felt inadequate and God knew it. And God encouraged him. I love that. You see, if I go to God, God will encourage me through his word. And God encourages Joshua through his word. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6 through 8, God told Joshua, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very uh, courageous. That you may observe to do all that, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You see, he was speaking to Joshua here about the promised land, but the same principle still applies to me. Still applies to me. I need to be a man, or you need to be a woman of God daily in the Scriptures. Why? 
because we need to be. And there's good success when we're in them. Listen to Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. The psalmist wrote, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor seats, sits in the seat of the scornful. And I'll pause right there. Again, Scripture teaches some separation is required. Okay, like I said before, there's separation that needs to be quite, uh, 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 required here by God. But verse 2 says, but his delight, the man or the woman of God, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be planted like a tree by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Man, I, sign me up. I know. Sign me up. I want, I want you know what? When I read these, you know, I, I could barely read. But I understood this. I didn't understand a lot of things in the Bible, but I understood this. And I took it to heart. And I haven't stopped since. And I encourage you, get in the Word. Meditate on it day and night. Let God do a work in your life. You know, He promises to do certain things. And you know what? God doesn't lie. But I, I have to, that's my, again, my personal responsibility. And again, there's that warning, separation. There's, there's, there's things that I do or watch. Or I get entertained where I, there needs to be separation or people. But verse 4 says, The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Shall perish. But continuing in Psalms uh, 119 and verse 118, the psalmist says, You reject those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. You see, a lot of people have different opinions these days about eternal security. But that's all they are. Their opinions. You know, we have to have a biblical view of God and make sure we don't have any biases when it comes to our own personal bent. You know, because I could be preaching something that's unbiblical. I have to really be careful that I'm not teaching something that I believe that it's not covered from Genesis to Revelations. I have to have good doctrine. You see, the Word of God says, here, God rejects those who stray from His Word. God says this. God says He rejects those who stray from His Word. You see, a lot of times we could be out so out there we're thinking we're okay. I've seen it. I've seen people living ungodly, immoral lifestyles who think they're okay with God. You know, even some people who sitting in churches think they're okay with God. 
But the text we read earlier in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 says that's not so. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom. Didn't we do this and do that and do this? And Jesus said, I never knew you. We don't have a personal relationship. Number one. Number two, you practice lawlessness. Lawlessness is, is, is drawing a line in the sand and I'm just willfully stepping over it. Willfully stepping over it. We have to be careful. We have to be careful of deception, of the deception of our own hearts. Or to the deception of this world. Or the deception of false teachers. You know, we're warned in Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons. And they don't come with wicked uh, ideologies. They come with subtle things that will lead you astray. You see, he comes in... An angel of light. With a little sweetness. Sounds good. But it's not biblical. I have to really be careful. That's why it's important as believers to be in the word. We have to be men and women of the word. But here in the second part, it gives us a very vivid picture of a refiner taking away the dross. Taking away the dross. And, and, and what the dross is, is the, the refiner would get a cauldron and he would put the precious metals in there and it would heat up the fire. And, and what would happen, it, it would put like a precious metal in there. Let's say it's gold. They'd put it in there and they would get real hot. And then the dross, the impurities would come up to the top and the refiner would scoop away the dross and throw it in the trash because it was scum. And he would continue the process. They would heat up the fire again. And then he would scoop it away again. And then he'd heat up the, the, the fire again. And it just brings up the impurities. Until the refiner looks in there and he sees his face. And then it's pure. And then it's usable. But that too with our own lives. You see, what sin means is missing the mark. We all miss the mark of moral perfection. None of us on our best day can say we are morally perfect in thought, word, and deed. And since we miss the mark, there's bad news according to God. There's judgment. But what the Bible shows us when we look at it Is, is that we're dirty. Have you guys ever felt dirty? Have you ever felt unclean? You know, I have. You know, I, I felt unclean. And sometimes we have this self-righteousness that, think, that we think we're, we're so clean. And we're so good that, man, I deserve to go to heaven. I'm a good person. But you know what? We're looking at it with the lenses this way. See, when God looks down, he 
looks at the dross. You see, we're not that good. You see, if God were to judge us by his moral standard. Look at the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not hate. Thou shalt not murder, right? Jesus said, but if you hate with somebody in your heart, you committed the act. First John even says that as well. How can you say you love God and hate your brother? Have I hated anyone? How about the seventh commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has committed adultery in his heart. Same goes the same applies to the women. I have lust in my heart. Have I ever stole the eighth commandment? Have I ever stole anything irrelevant of what it cost? Have I ever lied? Ninth commandment? Tenth commandment, have I ever coveted something, a award, a prize, somebody teaching? Somebody taking a role that I think I'm better at? Coveting? Have I ever coveted? First commandment. Shall have no other gods before me. Have I ever put something else in priority over God in my life? Second commandment. Have I ever had a false idol? You know, see, an idol is what you pay more attention to. Are you paying more attention to something else than God? Do I use his name in vain, the third commandment? Do I always... Spend a whole day just worshiping God and giving Him my, my time, my resources, my heart, my attention to Him. That's the fourth commandment. Fifth commandment, do I honor God by my living? You know what? The answer is no. I missed the mark. So when God looks down, he doesn't see Tony the righteous. He looks at the dross, the scum. Scum, bad news. Bad news on the day of judgment. If I would to come to God on my own terms, my own righteousness. But you know what? Thanks be to God that he came down lived a perfect, holy life. Sinless, perfection. All the commandments He perfectly obeyed and honored. And He died in my place because I'm the dross. And He's pure and holy. So when He went to that cross, my dross was placed upon him because I recognize I am dross. I recognize I'm the dross. I'm not that good. I need a savior. And you know what the Bible says? That he puts his righteousness to my account. So that when I stand before God on the day of judgment, he sees his own face, his own righteousness. Substitutional righteousness. 
the refiner has removed the dross and he sees his own face. Christ's righteousness. And I get to enter in. But the psalmist here repeats his love for God. For God's word. Do you love God's word? I want to encourage you to pray. God, give me a love for your word. Give me a desire for your word. More than my necessary food. And in verse 20 here in closing, it says, my, my, my flesh trembles for fear of you. And I am afraid of your judgments. You see, we should have a holy reverence for God. We should have a holy reverence for God. But in closing, I give you nine points. Nine points from this, this chapter. Number one, the man of God or the woman of God. She is not caught in the middle, riding the fence between fully following God and walking in darkness. Take that mirror. Am I fully following God? I should pray, Lord, help me to follow you wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Number two, he or she should love the word. He or she should love the word. I need to pray, Lord, if I don't have a hunger for your word, I need to pray, Lord, I want to be, I want to love your word. Teach me. Give me a desire. Give me the, the appetites. Number three. The man or woman of God abides in a relationship with God. And God is their hiding place and their shield. Number four. He or she not only knows God's word, but keep it. Don't only know God's word. Don't only read God's word, but keep it. And we have to pray for that as well. I need, Lord, I need the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to keep and honor you. Number five, the man or woman of God relies on God's sustaining support. I need God's help. You see, the Bible tells me I'm going to live according to these scriptures. But on my own strength, it ain't going to happen. That's why I need the work of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God, important. The Spirit of God, important. They work together to transform me. And in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, talks about a metamorphosis taking place in my life. Is there a change in my life? Is there a metamorphosis from a natural man to a spiritual man? I haven't arrived yet. Work in progress. But you know what? We have to learn to yield to God and let Him do that work in us and support us and sustain us. Number six, the man or woman of God daily observes God's Word. Again, pray. Observe God's Word every day. Get in it. Get in it. It's that important. Number seven, the man or woman of God prays that they are not deceived into straying from God's word. We need to pray. You know, because there's a lot of people who say, oh, I will never leave the Lord. I'll never stray. Hey, you better watch it. Pride comes before the fall. I know I, I need to be careful. I need, I need to walk very carefully. I need to put safeguards in my life. I pray that I wouldn't be deceived into straying from God's word. Many stronger Greater men have strayed and women have strayed. We need to pray for our own hearts that we would continually uh, stay the course. 
Number eight, the man or woman of God prays that God would remove any wicked impurities from his or her life. I need to pray that God would remove, that God would give me the wisdom to even remove things from my own life. Something that will cause, something that's impure from my life. And lastly, number nine, the man or woman of God is reverent, knowing that God will hold us all accountable on the day of judgment. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that we would live according to it, Father. Father, we pray for a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, that we would look into the Holy Scriptures and that we would not be ashamed when we look into them. So, Father, we know that we need that work of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And, Father, we know we need the Word. So, Father, have your way with our hearts, Lord. Father, we pray these points, Lord. Father, that we would not be double-minded in any way, Father. That, Lord, that you would have our, our, all our hearts, Lord. Father, that we wouldn't be uh, faltering between two, two opinions, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would love Your Word. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would abide in Your Word and in that relationship with You. And Father, that You would sustain us as You promised, Lord. Again, Lord, we pray that we would observe and we would, we would be men and women of the Scriptures. But Father, I, I thank You for the theme of of your word. The theme of your word is is man is a sinner and he needs a savior. And Father, I, I, I pray for the work of your spirit tonight. Father, if you spoke into someone tonight, Lord, that they would respond to this time. For this time of, uh, of offer of repentance and faith. As a worship team plays, we, if God is stirring your heart, if, if you were to die today, you were to stand before God, would He see you as innocent or guilty? You see, I can't make that decision for you and only you know what are you depending on for eternal life? So as a worship team plays and as the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to your heart, I'm going to invite you to come up. Come up and we'll say a simple prayer of faith. Recognizing you're, you've sinned and you fall short, you miss the mark of moral perfection and on the day of judgment you'd stand before Him and you'd be guilty. And that's the bad news. But the good news is that 2,000 years ago, God put on skin like a hand puts on a glove, lived a perfect life and died in your place. That if you would recognize, like most of us here, that we were the dross, we were, were no good. And we needed a Savior. And we responded to your invitation and you came into our hearts. And you gave us a new nature. We pray if that's you this, this evening, that as the worship team plays, you would come forward and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. So as the worship team prays, plays, we, we ask that you would we invite you to come.